0: Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening is Samuel Rook. What does around 400 million euros get you? Supposedly not the Champions League, which may have a very wealthy man questioning the one spending it. But more on that and the Ligue 1 weekend ahead after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain came crashing out of the Champions League on Tuesday night after losing 2-1 at the Parc de Prats and 5-2 on aggregate. Cristiano Ronaldo sank their hopes early before Marco Verratti saw red. Edison Cavani gave them a glimmer of hope, dashed by Casemiro's late finish. In the Europa League, Lyon will take an away goal back to France as they beat Seska Moscow 1-0. Marcelo scored the only goal as they looked to reach the final that will be played in their home stadium. Marseille also got off to a strong start to their round of 16 tie against Athletic Bilbao as they ran out 3-1 winners. Two goals from Lucas Campos with a Dimitri Paye finish sandwiched in between and a controversial penalty for the away side, giving them a glimmer of hope in that second tie with that away goal. And that's all for now, but all for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start tonight with a dissection, really, of that Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, capitulation might be the best way to put it, really, because... Sam, it was a it was a strange game, really. It, especially that first half, it felt like Real were for the taking. It felt like on the team sheet beforehand that they were possibly for the taking, but absolutely unequivocally, PSG did, just just didn't turn up in this game.
1: Yeah, it was just a really disappointing performance. I mean, as you say, they were there to be beaten, but even if they weren't, even if Real Madrid had turned up and, and played ten times better than they had done, PSG. just didn't turn up at all it just didn't put up anything that first 45 minutes was dull as dishwater. you know it only got a bit interesting in the second half but even then it was just so disappointing it felt like the result was set some of the players speaking after the game rabio saying well you know we knew we lost it in the first leg well it's not a great attitude um you know some of these other players saying like wow well you know next year we're better better situated to try again it's not the great attitude. That's not the attitude of, of champions, of people who will win the Champions League. If Real Madrid had lost, they wouldn't have been coming up with those sorts of palliative comments. They would have been angry, they would have been furious. PSG weren't angry. You know, The only one who was angry was Verratti and he didn't exactly channel that positively.
0: Yeah, it's the, a the nice way of putting, I think, that one. I, I, again, Marco Verratti sometimes in these kind of games... In it's not always the big games necessarily, but in a lot of games where you see Marco Ratti charged up and and you know that that fire is part of his makeup, but the second yellow is absolutely inexcusable, isn't it? I mean, he absolutely sprints at the referee. I think I was listening to um, um, the great... um, Um, on the continent pod by the uh, football ramble guys and and, and Andy Brassel mentioning that maybe he didn't realize how close the referee was because he he almost knocks him over he's sprinting so fast at him and the, the referee couldn't wait to bring the yellow card out really because it was so petulant so stupid and at a time really where the game hadn't completely gone that that first goal did seem to bow the heads a little bit but there was still time in that fixture they were still having some OK moments, really, although there wasn't too many of them. And they did obviously equalise, really, on the night at least, um, after Varati got sent off. But there's a lot of questions still for this side, really. And and Sam, the worry for me as well in this one was the lack of... Uh, Di Maria had a decent game, and I'll, I'll give him credit there, but especially Edison Cavani and Mbappe, they just couldn't get them into the game. They They looked incredibly isolated throughout, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think this, this is a real problem. I mean, what Neymar has brought to this team is the ability to, to sort of break the lines, link the lines, connect the, the excellent central midfielders they do have with, you know, with Mbappe, with Cavani, and kind of make everything tick a little bit. And once he goes out, Di Maria kind of does a similar kind of role, but can't quite do it as well. And you really needed one or both of those midfielders to, to really stride forward, bring those attackers into the game. I don't know if you've seen the pass maps. For uh, post game, and it's just a, a blob of midfielders and fullbacks in the middle, and then these two tiny little dots up front of Cavani and Mbappe just entirely isolated. And, and that's the story. I mean, it's great that Mbappe's a 140 million euro player, or whatever we're saying he costs these days. But if you don't give him the ball, you don't give him a chance to do something, you know, find him in a bit of space, let him run at people with that unbelievable pace that he does have, let him take a chance give Cavani room to to out-muscle someone, give someone room to do something, it doesn't fall on those attackers entirely. I mean, maybe they could have done a little more to find a little more space, but it doesn't really fall on them. It really falls on on the midfield and, and perhaps mostly on Verratti, who should be the leader of this team at this point. And something I'd sort of like to throw back to you, Nathan, I wonder, I read the other day someone said that they don't think Verratti's gotten any better really in the last two or three seasons, and I wonder what you think to that.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. That a lot of people pull this one out of the bag quite often. That that Virati hasn't really necessarily moved on, and my I'm a little bit in between. I agree. I I I don't think he's quite hit the levels he should be hitting. Especially, I mean, he's really. A, in theory, a senior player at that club, really. Now he's been there for a long time. He's grown up with the team. He's he's starting to hit the prime of his career at 25. But I think even some people in the um, in the Italian press for the national team would also say that he doesn't quite dominate games as we'd hoped he would do. Maybe two or three years ago, when he he does sometimes dominate games, but not at these crucial moments when they need him to really. And that's maybe a sign of a few things. I would quite like them to build around the the new midfield, at least anyway, around him because that midfield last night, w- w- sorry, on Tuesday night was, was awful, really. All three of them were awful. I mean, Verratti kept losing the ball and was s- swinging for heavens like, like, um, like this sort of madman he is. I mean, he looked even more dangerous of a yellow card than Sergio Ramos, which is almost unfathomable, really. Um, And then you you looked at Adrian Rabio who just essentially did nothing in the game. He admittedly stood there and took his punches after the game in the the mix zone, really. One of the only players, really, to face the media. But it was a stinging criticism, like you said earlier, Sam, of of him sort of being so blase about it, sort of, we'll be there next year kind of thing. But... He just didn't really affect the game. And, and Thiago Motta was anonymous to the point where he, at some points, he was in front of those two, which is baffling to me because they both need that cover and he should be the one to bring it. But he, he was practically a um, person on Grata for that whole game. And I think that's where the game was lost, really. I mean, some people point to Marco Asensio's performance, who was absolutely sensational and he, he, he absolutely ruined Danny Alves and, and uh, the pause the argument that maybe Thomas Mounier should have started but the fact that PSG never had a link between the defence and the strikers and that's why Edison Cavani and, and Mbappe struggled that's why when Neymar's in the pitch maybe because he comes more centrally and does come a little bit deeper to try and receive the ball that they have a little bit more invention that's also maybe why it might have been worth the risk. And I, I want to throw this one at you, Sam, as well. It might have been worth the risk. We talked a little bit about this on on Monday, how they sort of balance between playing maybe the safer 4-3 or do they take the risk and play someone like Draxler or, or Pastore in a 4-2-3-1 just to link up those players without Neymar? Um, do you think, I know hindsight is a great thing to have, but to play someone in that role, do you think they would have had a better opportunity to come out of here this one with a, with a victory?
1: I think, as you say, I mean, we're looking at this, looking back, knowing that Real Madrid didn't exactly set the house on fire. They didn't come out firing. They were pretty happy to kind of let the game happen to them. So if you'd had a Draxler, someone like that, playing in a midfield, you know, in a deeper role, than perhaps he's best suited to. He is at least very good at those quick passes, quick movement, make things happen, move the ball along, and he can run at people. All of that together, if you maybe sacrifice even one of the midfielders just to make it a bit more fluid and a little bit more risk taking but taking it to real madrid who, whose backline is of course uh, amazing but you know as you mentioned ramos capable of making silly mistakes um you know they're there to be got at. they're there to be attacked you're playing at home you need to score goals going safe going going with tiago mata at the base and obviously not giving rabio the orders to to really kind of stride forward and try and dominate the game it was far too conservative approach for a team that needs to score goals needs needed to at least make a statement if you're going to go out go out trying to win the game.
0: Yeah, I think that was the most frustrating thing on the night is they they just couldn't quite get the balance right. And, and the substitutions from memory were, were a little bit unusual. Again, it didn't look like he was quite trying to push the boat out too late. Uh, he sort of made decisions maybe a little bit too late in this one because of, of the questions in the in the previous game. And that's really where the, where the axe probably now will fall. Uh, and I'll throw, uh, mention this again to you, Sam, that we talked about this on Monday that uh, Unai Emery is on a tightrope, really, in the Champions League is the be-all and end-all. And arguably, Laurent Blanc, who was the manager before him, was sacked um, for losing to Manchester City in the quarterfinals. They've lost in the round of 16 to Real Madrid. It's the second time they've been eliminated um, earlier on by a Spanish side. Um, the other one was possibly more... Im- well, I don't know which one was more embarrassing, really, whether it was that that sort of capitulation in one game or, or a, a a series of games where really they only played for 15 minutes with a with any sort of decent vigour. Some people will blame the league, someone will and say that they don't get competitive enough. But if these games don't get you motivated to play at your very best, then, then you're clearly not uh, cut out to win those kind of games, really. But this does put his position not just really under question anymore, but probably come the summer, um, he's at the door.
1: Uh, I can't, I can't. Imagine a situation in which he keeps his job and then stays for another season. Um, I mean, not only have they flopped quite badly in the Champions League twice. I mean, even not topping their group last season was pretty bad. Then the collapse against Barcelona, that was inexcusable. They didn't want to be knee-jerk. Fine, that's that's actually quite you know, respectable in a way. Give him another season. But now this, tough draw, sure, but to show no real ambition in, in this game and it's not great and I can't see him keeping his job and I, he always seemed a very strange appointment and I think it's a little bit symptomatic of the problems that that the that the PSG project has they throw all this money at Flash but at the functional parts the, the, the planning doesn't seem to be quite there the the approach doesn't seem to be that well thought out I mean you know they went and they, they bought Neymar and Mbappe but the defensive reinforcements they needed. They got a retiree in Danny Alves and Yuri, who apparently we're now calling Bernice. Um, you know, those aren't Champions League caliber players for a team going forward. Yes, Danny Alves is a champion. Yes, he's producing brilliant performances this season, but as he showed in, on Tuesday, he's not really at that level on the biggest stage anymore. Yuri, you know, he's a functional player, fine, but he's not really good enough. Certainly not an upgrade on Kozawa, who himself is probably not good enough. And then the appointment of Emery is is a similar thing. It, that, you needed to pick the right manager. You need to pick a manager who fits the players and who fits the situation. Emery's a guy who thrived in in Spain, with Sevilla, with a team that was able to be functional and reactive rather than proactive. You know, PSG have 80% of possession in every game in Liga. Picking a manager who's not really built for that kind of football, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's manifested itself in Europe where they've not been able to to change their style because he's not the right guy for this team and for this project and it was a very strange appointment from the start and i can't imagine he keeps his job now
0: yeah it's it's almost impossible isn't it i mean he was brought in as that sort of european expert for the work he done in the Europa League, although I always still think that's such a strange sort of connection to make that the fact he won the Europa League twice means he's, he's excellent in the Champions League. I think he showed that, um, and I think it's maybe a little bit harsh to say, but he is maybe a second tier manager in terms of what they can get. And looking at the summer, there's a lot of interesting options for him. I mean, um, they might be, well, the reports are that their top target is Mauricio Pochettino, who would be an excellent, excellent signing if they could get him. In. It's it would be a difficult one to fully pull off, given his uh, commitment to Spurs at the moment, and then moving into a new stadium as well. Um, but he'd be a terrific option. You look at, uh, we talked about Leonardo Jardim as well, possibly being someone that would go there. That would be another terrific signing. Uh, Luis Arrique has being looked at by a few different clubs in the summer as well With his, after his sabbatical, which will be an, an interesting one. He's won a lot of things. He, he did reasonably well at Barcelona, but there's there's maybe still questions of whether he is a top-tier manager as well. But um, a lot of interesting things to come probably for Paris Saint-Germain in the summer because uh, there should be some kind of uh, upheaval. But let's talk about the Europa League now, uh, Sam. And I know you had eyes on the uh, Cesc-Leon game, the early game in the uh, European Europa League standings, and it's... Honestly, a really, really good win for Leon. Sesca have been pretty good at home this season, and um, they've been pretty good in Europe this season at home as well. And this one-nil victory is an absolutely massive bonus heading back to uh, France in a week's time.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a mass- It's a massive, massive result. Um, really solid performance. Not not particularly flashy. Not particularly um, headline-grabbing, maybe, but really important. Really workmanlike. And that's what you. That's what you needed from this team away from home, European competition. Genesio, after the game, he was disappointed they didn't get a second or a third and really kind of ram home the advantage that they had in the game. It was a terrible pitch, one of the worst pitches I've seen in European competition. It was somewhere between a cabbage patch and an actual sand pit. The quali- the, that was awful. And so that really played into the quality of the football. You know, the ball the ball didn't run true. was a lot of bobbles, a lot of frustrating to watch from a, a footballing perspective, but you know, Leon Leon dealt with it better, and they were the better side, and they take a deserved lead home. And I think we we were all a little bit worried that the wheels that have apparently fallen off in 1 might follow them falling off in Europe as well. But this is a really important result for them, and it really sets them up for to to move on and drive towards that final.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really good result, and and given that the fact that we'll, and we'll come on to later that their league form has been. Pretty dire, to be honest. Uh, um, that this will be a massive result when them wanting to still get Champions League football because really, um, through Liga, and that looks uh, that looks out of the question really more than anything else. Um, on to the other game this evening as well, in between Marseille and Bilbao, which I had eyes on um, for this one, and it was a really, really interesting game. Really, to be fair, that Marseille really come out of the traps firing, and Bilbao have had an awful season. And I was looking at a few Spanish journalists mentioning that. Uh, that Bilbao over the course of the season have been pretty poor and and also in the Europa League, even though they have got through, it's more because other sides have gifted them uh, opportunities to get in. And, and, and Marseille absolutely came out of the traps and scored two excellent goals. Tolvan uh, has a lovely assist for a Campos' first one and, and he uses sort of the outside his foot just to sort of gently guide it into the goal. It's an absolutely lovely finish. Um, Paié as well takes one down in the end and volleys it in uh, after a, a bit of a hashed clearance, but a, a very controversial penalty. I, I don't know why they give it. The, the ref looks like he's given a corner. Um, the, four, the I think it's the fifth official's behind the line, isn't it? That the, 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 they gave the penalty, saying it struck his arm. It maybe strikes his arm, but it's one of those ones. It, I would call that a Spanish penalty. For, for absolutely certain. One of the ones where it just it happens to hit an arm and because it's in the box, that counts as a penalty in La Liga sometimes for some reason. Um, but they they stuck that one away. But credit to Marseille, they they didn't dip in any way. They, they had a little spell 10 minutes sort of the first half where they didn't quite, went quite on song. And then uh, Campos maybe gets a little bit lucky with the goalkeeper sort of fumbling the uh, his effort for the third in, in the back of the net. But that puts them in a really strong position as well to get into the next round, which will be massive really to have two clubs so I mean, Liga and Liga into the Europa League quarterfinals, that's that's a real bonus, not only for the league, but also two teams in a hat to possibly get that extra Champions League place as well. It's a, it's a pretty good sign for starting things.
1: Yeah, I mean, when if you would sort of looked at the Europa League group stage about halfway through, you might have thought, we'll be lucky to get one team to the knockout stage. And now, looking pretty good to see two teams through to the quarterfinals, that's Really impressive. That's really, really strong from Liga. And if you've got two teams there, you've got a really good chance of going a little bit further. Semi-final. Maybe Leon can get that final at home. Maybe Marseille can do something really historic again. This, you know, they've they've I've seen the goals from tonight. They look excellent. They look that team's really come coalescing into something. But I saw that Tovan was stretched off. I don't know how bad that was. I don't know if you've seen uh, how bad it was or anything
0: yeah it was a strange one really he had a little bit of a knock earlier in the i think it was just at the end of the first half where he's sort of hobbling a little bit um he came off very briefly but was determined to come back on but at the corner he sort of stood on on the foot um and he he does go down pretty painfully um it, there is worries that they were mentioned in the commentary that it does feel like one of those ones where sometimes it reminded me a little bit of the... If you remember back, cast our minds back to when uh, Wade Rooney got that metatarsal injury against Chelsea where he was still on the foot. Looked a little bit like that, um, which will seriously worry Marseille fans and uh, French fans, really, because he, he has been in terrific form. He set up one of the goals tonight and, and looked really dangerous again. And hopefully... Um, all will be okay. But yeah, to be stretched off is, is a real worry because that means obviously that he couldn't really get off the pitch on his own power and uh, that doesn't bode well. Hopefully it was just a safety precaution and they, they were just making sure that um, there's nothing to worry about. But um, there may be some worries for Marseille I'm sure they'll be um, keeping their eyes on Twitter for the next couple of days, although they might not be on the official account at least anyway, which has been strangely suspended by uh, by the LFP of all people uh, for uh, misguided guidelines. It's a very... You know, weird one that's happened this week but on to the league on games this weekend and we start on Friday's fixture between Strasbourg and Monaco because um Strasbourg are, are still really probably um in that relegation fight they they're just above where they need to be but any if they keep slipping up they might slip back into it so uh, they've been pretty good in the last couple of weeks they were it was a bit of a terrible game against Montpellier a couple of weeks ago but they obviously uh, didn't really well they Back to some degree, at least, anyway. um, With a uh, with well, p- pretty poor result, really against Cole. Really, they they looked at times like they they were getting back into the game, but Cole were just bullying them. There was a lot of bits of Enzo Crivelli trying to time waste as well, which really annoyed them. But they they were just stifled a little bit too easily in this one. And and although back at home, there they are a different sort of acquisition at home. When when you think of the last uh, two games, they've. Got sort them of beaten and they beat Twil as well. Um, but this against the Monaco side that are really in top gear at the moment is as a big ask.
1: It is, but I mean, as you say, at home you know, this season they're, they're a top half side on form at home, so they have got that in their pocket. Monaco, kind of a, on a funny run of decent but not great. Maybe, maybe this sort of uh, the fire has kind of gone out a little bit for Monaco at the moment because obviously not going to win the league. Leon no longer snapping at their heels. Maybe it's a little bit hard to motivate themselves. Perhaps Strasbourg can sort of come at them with the the aggression of of a side in desperation and and kind of hit them from that perspective. Um, It's going to be very difficult, though. They've not beaten Monaco uh, since 2002. So, uh, you know, history is not exactly on their side there. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's going to be tricky.
0: Really tricky. I mean, um, it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I mean, we've talked about Monaco a few times getting back into form, but what we've really not mentioned is it in, well, well all competitions, really, they only lost two um, since uh, December, the first game in December. In Ligue 1, they won two, well, they're 13 unbeaten. Well, I think it's 13 unbeaten in, in all competitions, I think, in Ligue 1. And that's really impressive, and, and they stumbled that game against to lose really but before that it's well around that it's 6 wins in 7 as well that's that's really terrific stuff and they they came from behind against bordeaux as well um, the the away side were got a lucky goal through vardar it was a really nice finish but uh monaco strode through and yovetic stepping up he's now now he's starting getting a a better run of things as well, with with Falcao obviously out at the moment as well. Uh, Ronnie Lopez continued his goal scoring form excellently. Tom Lemar looked like in that game like he's starting to rediscover his form. the The defence for the majority of the part was a little bit better as well. I thought Fabinho had a really nice game as well. They've got a really excellent run at the moment. I mean, they do have to face Paris Saint Germain in a couple of weeks' time, which will be really well. Then. Uh, that in the cup final, and then they've got them in April as well in the league at the Part de France. So there's a couple of tough games left. But is it inconceivable to you, Sam, that much like the season before and a couple of seasons ago as well, that Monaco might go the rest of the season unbeaten?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, we know that they are probably still, again, the second best team in France. I mean, we we, we weren't saying that. Three or four months ago but as you say i mean the run that they're on it's very very under the radar no one's paying a lot of te- a lot of attention to them but when they were stumbling in sort of december time it seemed like well this is the end of of that that monaco team that you know, the, the, the dream is dead but the second now i mean if they were to if they were to fall away and not finish in the champions league now it'd be a huge shock nine points ahead of uh, leon and yeah they're, they're scoring goals for fun they're not conceding a lot apart from the bizarre draw against Toulouse, but we won't talk about that one. Uh, you know, the comeback win against Lyon, that was fantastic. The spirit is still there in this team, and they're sharing around the goals now. They're not relying on Falcao in the way that they were. As you say, sideline sidelined, but they are still, they go on. They score goals, win games. A lot of the teams they've got yet to play are teams who are not playing for much. You know, they've got to play Rennes. They've got to play Nantes. They've got to play, well, Lyon are kind of playing with something. But there's a not a lot of games on their schedule that should scare them and going unbeaten, setting on another one of those big long records like they did last season.
0: Why not indeed? Mm, Why not indeed? Yeah, they've... On a really good run of form at the moment. It's it's a shame that Paris Saint-Germain are obviously so so far away that Monaco seem to play this this catch-up game again because, like, like we remember last season, they went on an absolute tear to to finish the season to actually win the league because Paris Saint-Germain were were excellent after they were eliminated uh, eliminated uh, from the from the Champions League. But uh, well, it's going to be a really good season for them, regardless. I think with the, all the departures that uh, they had in the summer. But let's get some predictions now. And I'll, Sam, what do you think in this one?
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna back Monaco to win it, but I think it's gonna be tight. I'll say two-one.
0: Mm. I, I think it. I think it'll be two-nil. I, Strasbourg sometimes have a really good attacking intent, but just don't really sometimes follow through with it. Balkan has had a good season. Uh, Terrier's had a good season, but they've never really can't push it on. Really, it's a, it's a it's a bit of a disappointment. So I think it'll be two-nil to a to a Monaco side that are really rising and two teams that have had indifferences uh, in form recently. One positive, one negative, and that's um, Bordeaux and Angers. Uh, in recent weeks, at least anyway, Sam, that Bordeaux have been, well, they felt like they recovered under Poyet. They had those four wins, the one coming just before his appointment. But since then, they've not won at all. They had that loss against Monaco, where, like I mentioned in that previously, they got a little bit lucky, really, with the goal that put them ahead with Valentin Vard. It was an excellent strike, but it really came against the run of play. And after that moment, they really didn't get themselves into the game that much. Um, admittedly, it's three games that were tough. Marseille isn't the easiest place to go to at the best of times. Um, nice, they've sort of both cancelled each other out. They're both in sort of middling seasons. But is this a chance for them to get back on a horse, even though it's against an RJ side that have finally put back-to-back wins together?
1: Yeah, this is a really interesting game from Bordeaux's perspective, because as you know, we talked about, they went on that great round when they brought Poirier in. Then they struggled in, in tricky games, and now it's a game that, on paper they should be winning you know, home to angers uh, this is a game that Bordeaux should be good enough to to win but as you say like we're now going to sort of find out was was that a a new manager bounce kind of a dead cat bounce you know or was it really the indicative of of actual progress that was being made under a new manager and this is the kind of game where we find out where where exactly they sit are they a team who can React to those defeats, come back together again, or will they now just kind of limp along to the end of the season? Relegation is now no longer even a, a consideration. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one because Angers, obviously, they're much closer to danger. Bordeaux, comfortable, safe, mid table, not a great deal to, treat, to really play for apart from sort of their places and the place of the new manager.
0: Yeah, well, one team that definitely have a lot to play for in this game is Angers, really, because we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, before that game against Lille, how big it was, and it was a massive victory to to pull that one, especially after it seemed like uh, uh, Lille had uh, sort of pulled themselves back into the game a little bit. Um, so that massive win as well at the weekend against Gangon three nil, it was a really really strong win, and they they it's good to see them finally getting some goals in because that was really where they were struggling, and and it's. Good to see them come from different sources than Carl Toku Cambe as well. He did grab one in that in that win, but Tate scored very very early on that helped settle the nerves a bit. A bit and uh, Ishmael Traore grabbed that goal in the last bit against the gang side. There uh, again, sort of a middling into the end of the season again, but um, massive win for there, but, but with Bordeaux on a little bit of a dip at the moment, and they're now on thirty-one points on in fourteenth and have a real chance to start making a gap between them in the relegation places. Um, this is an opportunity for them, isn't it, Sam? To to keep that momentum going and and keep going because they're starting to score goals. Confidence is definitely starting to rain through them again. They've they've given Mulan a new contract, so there's plenty of security in their their manager. They believe in him. They believe in his methods, and that's probably been integral to them now turning it around and and now having an opportunity to to pull even further away.
1: Yeah, I mean look, we saw we saw some fluidity from them earlier in the season but it just wasn't really rewarded with the goals that it maybe deserved. They were maybe a team that sort of xG was more impressive than actual G. You know, they weren't getting the goals but they were playing okay. It just wasn't really happening for them and against Gangon, we saw that that's what happens when they get a bit rubber the green but you know, uh 3-0 win against a reasonable side who, you know, admittedly probably weren't weren't great on the day but still and now angers are the top of the rest they're top of all the teams that are really in consideration for relegation and a win here would help them break away from that you know a victory here would put them on 34 points six points clear of 18th and and with not that many games to go then you're really starting to feel like safety progress for next season keep developing on what's working um this would be a huge game for angers to go and win and they're playing against the Bordeaux team who are there, I think, to be beaten.
0: It certainly feels that way with, it, with the confidence that they have gained combined with Bordeaux, maybe dipping a little bit, that that Poirier bounce they had sort of fading away and maybe his tactical inefficiencies that we've seen in the past, maybe starting to rear their head. Maybe that's uh, contributing to their downfall and maybe a, a great chance for Angers. So what do you think will be the score in this one, sir?
1: It's going to be an interesting game. I don't think I think Bordeaux might be slipping back towards the uh, stale style that we saw pre poyer So I'm going to I'm going to back Angers to win one uh, nil.
0: Mm, I I think this will be an Angers win as well. I'm going to go for a two nil win and maybe a, a Cambe double because he's been really crucial at the moment. And now he started scoring goals and they they're finding a bit of confidence. I, I think this will be the win that sort of pulls them out of the mire really and another really interesting game between sides that are maybe in well, at least one of them in a, in a position where they didn't really expect to be a couple of weeks ago and that's that's Wren who have been on quietly again a nice little run of form um it's th- well three wins out of four and a draw in the middle of that at, at way to come which is nothing to be sniffed at after the a couple of losses but um they finally started to get things together really they've in those three wins, three clean sheets. Every single one of those four games, they've scored two goals, which is a nice bonus as well. So they're starting to score. They're starting to learn their defensive solidity as well. Um, they're getting some consistency in that run now. They're in fifth, um, a point above Montpellier and, and Nantes. Um, it's a great chance for them, isn't it? To get into the Europa League, which would be an an absolute bonus for what their first half of the season seemed to, to peter away.
1: Well, this is a funny one. I mean, if you told people opening day of the season yeah Wren in march will be about fifth you'd have said yeah that sounds about right based on what we thought based on the money that had been spent the team they're putting together you thought yeah okay well, this is this is that season for Wren. but then 3 months ago they were terrible everything had completely fallen apart and uh, you would never have believed they'd be up this high i mean this has been that kind of topsy turvy season in in league where no one's been most teams haven't been able to go on much of a run so everyone was really bunched together so for ren to be up this high again now fifth in the league table, third in the form table by an only PSG in Monaco, which is really impressive. Um, they've got themselves out of that hole that they were in and now they're looking up and they should probably, they, they definitely aimed for Europa League at the start of the season and now they're in that position and they should really be charging, charging on for it.
0: Absolutely. And credit to them, really. I, th- I think there's a couple of things you can point your fingers to uh, as why they've been uh, so successful recently. One of them is that that summer signing, really, of Wabi Kazri, which was, I think, an excellent move. Really, he he's been really good for them. Nine goals this season tells you exactly his uh, his impact so far, and he scored a fair few in the in their recent wins as well. Um he's just got an extra level for them. He was really poor for Sunderland at times, but I don't think they really utilised him as much as they were in those central positions. He's been excellent for for Ren, scoring plenty of goals, and they they've got talent around him. I mean, Ishmael Sars finally getting a bit. More confident in himself. Diafra Sacco is a good central striker to put in between those to link them up. They've already got good midfielders like Benjamin Andre and uh, Benjamin Borijo, who's had an excellent season. You mix in then Fetu Mawasa, hopefully, can, to rediscover something and in, in a solid defense. Uh, Jaline and, and Yanyan seem to be um, building up a nice partnership, along with K- Thomas Kubek being a really solid goalkeeper as well. They have a nice little spine all of a sudden. And that Changes a lot of things really for them. It, it makes them feel a lot more confident. Ben is playing better as well, even when he's playing at left back, which uh, might be making Rich faint more than anything with the amount of times he's had to to criticise for them. But um, they do look a much better side recently, and they come against the side that don't look so good recently, at least. Anyway, they they had some good results, but it's been a bit funny really for for and for a while. And um, that draw against Leon a couple of weeks ago was good, but they had to come from behind twice against Dijon, um, who are one of well, the worst team in League 1 away from home. Um, excellent road or excellent home side, but awful on their travels. And Saint-Étienne allowed them in their game multiple times. And it was the 300th game for Ruffier, 400th game for Perrin, but especially for the latter, um, it was a tough one and maybe a sign that he might be on the decline, unfortunately, like Perrin. It might be Sam. He's looking like he's probably past his best.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the players in this team are kind of on a similar position. They have, they are, this, Sanatin really rely on a lot of these veteran players. Perrin, Debushi's an old man at this point, Ruffier himself. A lot of them seem better today. Subotic, I mean, you sort of just run, run through this team. It's a team veteran experience and all that sort of thing. But, there's not a lot of, of legs left in this team and I think they've, they've done enough to keep themselves up again this season. There was a brief worry that, that they might go down and that would have been a really hard, a really sad way for these, not quite legends, but icons of the club maybe um, to end their time at San etienne uh, But it looks like there's going to be some tough decisions for over this summer looking at these veterans who it might be time to move them on.
0: Hmm. And it's a strange one because they, they've sort of mixed them with veterans as well. Like, like Perrin is playing with Subotic, who's, who seemed like he's probably passed his prime at Dortmund with so many little injuries. And I do feel a little bit sorry for Perrin. He, he's an excellent statesman. He's been terrific for them. He should have got a lot more attention from the French national team than he ever got afforded as well, which is such a shame because he's a terrific, terrific uh, defender. Um And It just feels like he's lost something now. Uh, Those injuries that have happened over the last season or so sort of piling up on him, and and maybe it's taken an inch out of his his speed. And then when you are in a foot race with someone like he did with Tavares, who is not slow, but not rapid at the same time when he he scores Dijon's first, that will be a real disappointment for him. And it might feel like one of those uh, Gary Neville moments against West Brom where when people start beating you, you start thinking... Am I maybe cut out for that level anymore and I he, don't take anything away from his career has been terrific but Santatien are looking a little bit better they've improved in form but they, they still have that little bit of a strange edge to them so it's going to be an interesting one again Sam what do you think the score will be
1: I think Ren you know we talked about how they've they've improved we talked about all these players who have sort of found their feet again and they've been very impressive but the thing that they kind of fuels that that strength it's reactive it's it's pace on the break. It's playing quick, sort of um, playing into gaps, playing reactive to, to what the opposition is doing. And when you're away from home, it's a lot easier to do that. When you're playing against a team that's going to come out and play football, it's a lot easier to do that. Playing at home against Saint-Etienne, probably not going to get those opportunities, probably not going to get a lot of space, not going to get a lot of uh, the opposition pushing out at you. So I think they might struggle. I think this might be a little bit less of an attractive game and might be decided by the odd goal, but I'm going to call it a goalless draw. Mm.
0: I think San, uh, well, I think Santetienne may be flattering to deceive a little bit at the moment as well. They've had three wins, but they're, they're against sides that are, they feel like they probably should be beating. But two good draws and a, a not so great draw. So I, I'm thinking Renault will nick this one, 1-0, um, and help strengthen their push for fifth because that's still a little bit of a dogfight in its own right. But um, on to our final game, and it, it comes on Sunday between Leon and Con, and, and starting with the home side, really, Sam, who a winless in 6 in league and they, they look like a different team sometimes in the Europa League but they were really stagnant again at the weekend against Montpellier we we mentioned that they, it was sort of their nightmare scenario really more than anything facing a side that that do restrict space that do force them to to take those long shots and and Unfortunately, so many Leon forwards are too happy to oblige, really, and that sort of was the the symptom of the game until they they managed to find an equaliser somewhere to to sort of nick one, and then didn't really look like troubling them again. Um, what's happened to Leon really in the last couple of weeks? That they've maybe been a little bit lax defensively, but that track, well, attacking quartet that was uh, praised and lauded over the sort of first half of the season has just sort of fallen apart.
1: They have, and I think one of the problems, you know, we have to remember is this is a team that was kind of dismantled and put back together last summer and put back together relying on a lot of very young players, a lot of players who've never played full seasons of senior football. You know, Awa and Dombele, these guys are not, not used to playing kind of week in, week out, playing European football and all that. And I think fatigue and inexperience is playing a part. it. some of the, the strange mistakes, some of the – just the wrong decisions being made in attack, like you say, taking shots from silly positions, things like that. It's a team that's built on inexperience and more on talent than than kind of organisation and planning. Um, I think that those are the kind of the, the things that have coalesced into this this run of indifferent form. I mean, to you know, every week we sort of come back to it. You know, to beat PSG was incredibly impressive, and then to go on this run of just bizarrely. In different football, is almost equally impressive. Just really, really strange. But I do. I think. I think youth is a big part of it. I think Genesio's coaching. He makes very strange decisions. He makes odd substitutions. He doesn't set the team up properly. He's never found the balance between the attacking talent they obviously have and then a sort of more controlling uh, organization in midfield. I think those are the problems. I think that's where it comes from. Um. It's frustrating, but I mean, it's working for them still in Europe. So, you know, you really can't be too critical because if they manage to go on, you know, win this tie against Moscow, get to the final maybe, win it at home, into the Champions League, you know, then they're flying. But if they don't, the the knives will be out for Genesio and um, fair enough, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably time for those knives to start branding themselves, well, branding themselves, branding themselves. <laughs> um, well, facing a con side as well that that beat them a couple of weeks ago in the uh, in the uh, Coupe de France as well, one 0 and deservedly so. And a, and a side that I managed to catch at the weekend again against Strasbourg, and I bet they must love when I tune in because they seem to win every time. <laughs> I tend to watch a con game, and they were they were solid again. That they not afraid to be physical they're not afraid to be um to attack to create um they were really interesting really again and, and a number of players stood out again i thought enzo creveli was good he was a right nuisance to the back line he was he was pushing them he was he was bustling around he was when they were trying to take free kicks later he would kick the ball away from them a little bit he'd waste some time he'd he'd sort of antagonize them as much as he could i thought that um as usual, Gilbert was very good down the down the right hand side. He's a, he's an excellent player that a lot of teams will look at in the summer. I think uh, Steph Peters, um, the Belgian, he's not played that an en- enormous amount at least anyway for Köln this season, but he was really good. He was really creative. Um, he was trying to make things happen. He, he sort of was an extra outlet that they usually have. Ronnie Roderland be that man to to sort of make things happen for them. But um, Peters in this one was was good and. and all of that with Ivan Santini on the bench which is only a real bonus because we've mentioned at times how reliant they are on the Croatian for goals and stuff like that and to, to get a 2-0 win against a decent Strasbourg side that do want to play football um, that's a really good result and and again um, we've mentioned a few times Sam that Con that have had a pretty decent season they are sort of sitting 12th they, they look like they were going to tease around the, the, and fight for that fifth spot for, for a while but they're certainly away from relegation which is a credit to a club that size and they don't play a boring style of football, which is all you can really ask for it for a league outside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, earlier in the season we were all getting a little bit carried away, I think, when they were they were doing so well They were winning the just winning games 1-0, just but not not in a defensive style, just hassling, just all together. It was really it was really fun, fun to watch, fun to, to see. And I, I think we all kind of hoped maybe it would it would last a little bit longer than it did, and for them to eventually sort of finish up where they are, very, very much mid-table, sort of definition of mid-table, that's great, you know, for them. And, and hopefully this team more or less can stick together, keep that attitude and maybe maybe move up a little bit further next season. But like you say, you know, resources-wise, you know, they are a team that has historically lent on its, on its academy, on its youth. They don't spend a lot of money. You know, they operate on a very small budget. So to be where they are and to still be firing and, and to be beating bigger teams than them every now and then, you know, Knocking Leon out of the cup, as you mentioned, that's huge. Um, this is a really good season for Con. This is this is the best season that they can realistically be hoping for—a chance at some silverware, albeit a small chance. They beat PSG, but still, and comfortably staying up. I mean, that's great.
0: Yeah, it's an absolute credit to them, and and they've been really good at times. I mean, they've had some struggles this season. Occasionally, they've sometimes looked a little bit lackluster, and they they liked in some areas earlier this season, but I, I've been really impressed by how they've addressed it and and credit to Patrice Garande as well again that he's got this con side playing football again. He's got them well away from a relegation again and uh, he's, he's absolutely must be revered there because he, he's doing wonders with the with that club. Um, But prediction time, do Leon finally give up the slide, Sam?
1: I don't know. It's, it's difficult and I... I, I... I think they really have to put all their eggs into the European basket at this point. I think trying to trying to reel back in one of Marseille or Monaco, realistically, it's only going to be Marseille. Monaco probably still too far ahead. And maybe if Marseille, in a similar way, do put all their eggs in the European basket, there's a chance. But I think Leon need to focus on Europe. They need to probably rotate for this game with an eye on the second leg against Sesca because they need to make sure they go through. and They need, need to make sure they're in good shape. Um, for the rounds to come so with all that in mind i think this is probably not a game that they win i think they extend this winless streak even further than it is possibly 1-1 again
0: hmm it feels like a 1-1 doesn't it i'm maybe just edging towards leon breaking their duck just in this one i, I think this is not a credit to Connor. it just feels like leon must have to break out of it some point soon and and home game against a side that don't always travel too well against a side that can sort of be great one week, not great the next week. I think this is maybe the one to do it at the same time. Next, next week they've got Marseille, which doesn't look as positive, but I'm seeing a two, one win for, for Leon and maybe they finally break their duck just before they're, they play uh, their great rivals and and Seska Moscow as well in that return leg as well. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. My thanks to Sam and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.